Hello, welcome back. I'm joined by Miguel today from Big Cause Tutoring with Heart. So Miguel, it's really good to have you here. Now, you know, we've met each other for a while now. Well, we've known each other for a while now. And I'm really, really intrigued by your journey, actually. You've come from working in hospitality and now you're doing tutoring. So tell me, how did it all start? Um, hi, Julia, and first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's, um, uh, I think these are always uh, little gems, and it's a privilege to, to, to be invited to talk about what I do and, 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 and how we do it. So um, I am South African. You'll pick up by the accent. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a rugby fan and Springboks rule. And, um, but I'm also Portuguese, so I was born and grew up in South Africa. I went to school in South Africa. Uh, from a very early age, I knew I wanted to be a hotelier. And um, I uh, left South Africa when I completed my school and went and did hotel management in Portugal in a very small school. And that was a three-year uh, diploma. And that was my start in hospitality, which was a which led to a thirty-year career. Wow, thirty years! Thirty years in, and I, I really specialised in food and beverage. My favourite thing, of course. <laughs> and um, so I've been very fortunate that I've over you know the last thirty years, I've worked um, in different properties, small properties, massive properties. I've worked with. Um, some obnoxious professionals. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> but with like some really cool people that do amazing stuff. Um, in that 30 year journey, there's a, a five year period where I managed a winery in the Douro region in Portugal. I worked for the world's largest port wine producer. Gosh. Um, and I launched a distribution and the bottling and labeling. Of this producer because uh, all his production was sold wholesale and i was working in one of these hotels and he said listen i want you to do this for me because i you kind of saw potential <laughs> <lady did. laughs> and um yeah i was running seven warehouses in portugal with a sales force of about 60 staff that's that's huge mm. and um so that was a a five-year journey and very interesting journey. You strike me as somebody who really just grabs opportunities and takes things in your stride. Is that the case? Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think that um, I think the DNA helps, mm. and I think Portuguese, you know, the Portuguese ethos is is very much one of you know take it on. Um, we're known to be adventurous. That's certainly you. I mean, we've. We discovered half the world. Um, and I think that the African spirit, you know, kind of uh, boosts that. Mm. So um, I, I, I don't shy away from any challenge, you know, and, um, and it's taken me down some interesting roads. I bet it has. So um, three years ago, I had reached, like, my highest point in my career, um, in Cape Town, I was head of food and beverage at the Cape Town International Convention Centre. Before that, I was food and beverage manager, complex food and beverage manager at a seven hundred and thirty bedroom hotel. That's huge. 
12, 12 outlets plus banqueting. And, and you were in charge of all of that? Yeah. That was really cool. Big man. I loved it. I loved it. It's addictive. It's, it's, a, it's just like a constant adrenaline rush. I wish I'd known you then because I could have come and visited you. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, living in South Africa, we kind of started looking at the reality of things. And I just got tired of living in fear. Mm. Uh, and my wife said something one day. And that kind of like really um, anchored the decision to move. She said, you know, we've got passports that allow us to get out of South Africa. Unlike many South Africans, mm. if something happens to one of us, we'll never forgive each other. Wow. So, so that was kind of like the, the kickoff for our move. Um, but what, what was it like living in South Africa? You know, I, I don't know because I'm, from the UK, I don't know what what is it like. Yeah, look, I mean, I've lived, I was born in apartheid South Africa, and I've lived post apartheid South Africa. Two very different worlds. Um, I love Africa. I love African people. African people are, are innovative. We, we have a term which is Africanacity. I love <laughs> that because it, it really talks about what the African spirit is. Um, you know, in Africa, you can do a lot with very little. Mm. Um, and there's beautiful people in Africa. You know, it's not all bad. It's mm. just a few that really make things complicated. Yeah. But generally speaking, there's, there's such a warmth and there's a lot of tradition. And, you know, when, when you think that we've got 11 official languages. I 11? 11 official, language, official languages. I speak... Uh, two of them, I speak English and Afrikaans, mm. I dabble a little bit in Zulu. Um, it, it just tells you how diverse it is. Yeah. But, but then we've got like the largest Indian community out of India lives in South Africa. That's where Gandhi started his journey, Mahatma Gandhi in Durban. I did not know that. As, 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 as an indentured uh, labourer. And he started to um, peaceful revolution. Mm started in south africa wow yeah so very diverse culture mm. um and, and it's and it's a melting pot you know it's, mm. it's, there's, there's a lot of mix but there's also a lot of um historic issues that yeah you know the old driftwood needs to go <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the young blood and you can see it already you know, yeah the, the youth of south africa um, is already changing things and demanding different and better things. Yeah. But there's still a lot of inequalities. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, I just thought that, um, I just got tired of living in fear, to mm -hmm. be quite honest. Yeah. I've lost some friends to violence. I've been held at gunpoint in a restaurant. <gasps> with my son, Look out. With my son in, I'm sleeping on my lap. Um, I can't even begin to yeah. imagine that. Yeah. So I've gone through all those things, you know, um, and I've had death threats a couple of times because my work was, you know, um, when when you've got big operations, especially in, in, in hotels, you sometimes have um, groups of people within the hotel that become like a mafia. Right, okay. So, you, you know, you have to break up these rings. Right. 
because that's your job. Yeah. You know, to put yeah. controls into place. And um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been through, through all of that. You know, I've just never, you know, shown fear and mm. always been resilient because I always believe that if, if I can't do that, then I shouldn't hold that, that chair. You know. So is that why you came here then? Well, England was, we were thinking of going to Dubai, or maybe Singapore. Singapore is for yeah. me where it's the edge of the blade when it comes to food and beverage. Mm-hmm. Dubai then copies Singapore. <laughs> um, and I love the Asian philosophy of food. I just love the food. We've <laughs> um, got a wonderful philosophy of food. Mm. Uh, we thought of Hong Kong, but then things have started happening in Hong Kong. Dubai, you know, uh, I'm 53, we were 49. You know, did I want to go into a position where I was working 16 hours a day? Yeah. Um, and Dubai, I think, is a great place, but working in Dubai is a different story. Mm-hmm. And um, we thought of Portugal and... Um, we ultimately landed in the UK because it's common language. My son doesn't speak Portuguese. Right. My wife has never taught in, in Portuguese. And from a food and beverage point of view, the UK is much more edge. Yeah, of course. Portugal Portugal's mm. still very much traditional and stuck in their ways when it comes to food. Been doing it for 600 years. <laughs> How dare you come and change the recipe? <laughs> Sacrament. <laughs> Where... Where the UK is much more open. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, so landed here. In fact, I turned 50 on the 14th of October, got on a plane on the 15th of October, and landed in the UK on the 16th. Wow, you don't mess around. No. And, and things in my life always happen in these, like when I turn, yeah. like either the 30s or the 40s. <laughs> Something happens. There's a major life change. Well, that is a big life change, isn't it? Well, depends how you see it. I've been a nomad for 30 years. You know, I, in the last 12 years, I've lived in six different houses. You know, because because my work demands it. You mm. can't be in the same hotel for a long time because you become stale. Yeah, yeah. And hotels are places that you cannot have it. Hotels mm. need to be always fresh and mm. contemporary. And um, so you, you move a lot. And if you mm. want to grow, yeah, you know, you've got to go where the, where, where the opportunities are. So, But you seem that sort of person, though, that is continually growing, continually looking or grabbing opportunities when they come. You know, that seems to be very much you. Well, get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no point. You can't sit in the fence, can you? You know, Um so when you came over here, did you come over here to work in hospitality? Yeah. So my idea was, um, I thought, right, I've got 15 years left in, in, in hospitality. Um, I don't want to be stuck in boardrooms um, and measuring egos. <laughs> um, I wanted to come back to my roots. And I wanted to work in a small boutique hotel. I come from four and five star hoteliering. And I wanted to, like, you know, go with the chef and find the best asparagus or the best lamb chop, you know. Um, go, you know, uh, get the, the barman into mixology and, and get them, you know, competing and, um, you know, showcasing their talents mm. and, and really, you know, share 
30 years of hospitality that I've lived and been very fortunate and a wonderful career. Um, and I secured a position at Ellenborough Park Hotel mm -hmm. in Cheltenham. And I worked for three days and then coronavirus came in, poof. Oh, no. I'm in a new country, careerless, not even jobless, careerless, because hospitality was like badly hit. And I thought, so what now? Um, my wife is a secondary maths teacher. And I remember while still in South Africa, I used to hustle her to think of con or consider to open mm. an agency. She never did. She's an academic, she's not an entrepreneur. <laughs> and um, I, I had booked to go to the Excel in London to the franchise show. Yeah. But then that got cancelled and was t taken online. And I booked every single event. Well, stuck at home, locked up, <laughs> nothing to do. You got a laptop and an internet connection. Great. So, did you just do this that quickly, though? Yes. You didn't give yourself time to just consider what had happened? You just picked no, up and ran? No, no. Um, I, I, I don't operate like it. I'm, um, I don't wallow. Uh, it's not a good place to be, you know. Um, and I was really concerned and I thought, I need to find something. I was, really, I was very sad about what happened to hospitality. Mm. And, and I mourned my loss. Yeah. Um, same way that I mourned someone very important to mm. me because it was like someone dying in my life. Um, I, I, I had a career where I did what I loved. Of course, yeah. Not everyone has that opportunity. Mm. So um, I came across a, a, a franchise and um, the franchise was a new product um, and I thought, okay, um, so these, this franchisor is going to handhold the initial franchisees. Yeah, of course. Um, and I thought, okay, so let's go for it. Mm. And it's, um, I, I backed the wrong horse. Really? It wasn't what you thought? Well, um, yeah, it, it just didn't work out. This, this um, franchise is no longer. Um, and wow. in June this year, I launched Big Cause, uh, Tutoring with Heart. Well, I've got to say, you have a phenomenal character to come into the UK thinking that you had one career and then within a few days it kind of went poof <laughs> to pick yourself up immediately to start looking at different franchises and opportunities, then to choose a franchise that, that didn't quite work out for you, then to set up your own business. I don't know many people that could do that that quickly and stay positive um, and just just do what you did. It's it's incredible. Are you always like this? Yeah, I am. And, and I've always been like this. And I think that um, it's, it's DNA. Uh, my mother, from <laughs> I'm sure, because she's like a tank. Um, and I think it's, it's also, you know, your mindset. It's just pointless um, dwelling on things that didn't work. You know, um, these two years with the franchise that I was in was very expensive because I've walked away with zero. Um, and I've got the opportunity, because I do see it as an opportunity, to bootstrap um, big cause. Mm. You know, it's, it's, 
It's when you place yourself at the border of comfortable and uncomfortable, yeah. and you push outward into uncomfortable, mm. that you're able to do interesting things. I love that. And I've always been in that space because hospitality kind of puts you in those places. A lot of the times you'll get a client that will mm. come through and ask for like a ridiculous thing for you to do. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you and your team, you've got to go down and understand how you're going to pull this off. Yeah. How you're going to keep it within budget. That's always kind of been my, my space. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's not, it's not a difficult thing. But also, I wake up every morning thinking that there's millions of people that wish they had 1% of what I've got. They do. Because you know? it's interesting. I read a post that somebody put on LinkedIn the other day that was in a similar sort of position to you. And were feeling quite low because they were looking for, well, their career wasn't quite working out. They were looking for opportunities. They were slightly older. And then here you are that, you know, you're thinking completely the opposite way. You're look rather than wallowing and feeling negative, you're thinking about what opportunities are there for me to do. And you've just completely changed your career from hospitality now to tutoring and the big course. So tell me, tell us all about the big course. Then. What is big course tutoring with heart? So I think the first thing is why the name big course. Mm. When I when I say it, people look at me and say, oh, <laughs> is this a charity? I said, well, yes, it's a charity of, of spirit. It's, it's, it's a charity of, of growth. Um, so there is a, a Zulu term, and, and Nelson Mandela actually um, revived it. Most people know it as an operating system for Linux. Uh, and the reason for that it was is that Ubuntu what is, was created by a South African. And Linux is an open sourced um, operating system. So. You are an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I know a lot of, of, of different stuff. So, but Ubuntu really is, it, it talks about um, being human yeah. and what it is to be human. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's a form of, of, of survival. Um, if you live in a village in the middle of Africa savannah and you know say there's 20 families you've got to have each other's back mm. uh, and the saying it takes a, a village to raise a child comes from that atmosphere right. so you've got to trust each other because when you get attacked by a neighboring tribe or wild animals mm. if you can't trust each other mm. your survival is compromised that's so important. So Ubuntu is really your growth is my growth. Mm. It means that I'm responsible for you and you're responsible for me. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's quite a, I think it's quite an important way of looking at things. Mm. Um, and, and raising a child is that the DNA of the village is passed on through the child by the various characters of the village. Yeah. You know, you've got the uncles, you've got the, <laughs> you've got the aunties, you've got the dad, the mom, you've got the witch doctor, mm. you've got the hunters, you've got the mm. herds boys, you know, and the, in fact, everyone is a child in that village because, you know, you're always learning. So, so, big cause was kind of the word that 
um, I could translate Ubuntu into English yeah. and kind of speaks of what it is. And um, for me, um, education has become a very big cause. And the reason for that is I've always been involved in developing people, mm. mainly young people. Mm. Um, I was very fortunate to work in a corporate environment that had a budget. And when you work in big operations, you know, you get a lot of young talent coming in. Mm. And I've had, you know, waiters uh, that have started out with me that are now general managers and deputy GMs. That's incredible. Heads of department. And they did the work. I just showed them that there's a different window that you can look out. Do you know, I, I love that. And, and, you know, I'm a firm believer in somebody helped me to get to where I am. And so I feel quite passionate about helping others, giving them the step up. And that's exactly what you've done, you know. And I think if more people in society thought about others, supported each other, you know, we would be much, much bigger and better as a, as a nation. But the fact that, you know, you've had waiters coming in that are now general managers and hopefully, you know, that will follow through and they will do the same for others. And... Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I was tough. Um, I can imagine. I can, I can be quite a hard individual. Um, and I still get messages from from them, you know, thanking me for, for the tough love and, mm. and you know, and um, it's it's such a privilege that mm. you are able to be the catalyst in someone's life. It's amazing. You know. So with Big Calls then, you've explained, you know, what it is, as in the name and but tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and so so big cause has got really two two areas that i want to work in mm -hmm. and, and both of them are about nurturing development and and getting people to thrive so the one area is with tutors and the other area is with the students so in in terms of the students um we offer tuition all ages all subjects um, a, a lot of the tuition nowadays is more um, is, is mainly focused on the core subjects, English, maths, and and, and the sciences. Um, but I've I've got a, a, a little girl that's learning Portuguese, Portuguese <laughs> tutor, which I'm excited about. And that that part of the business, um, I'm looking to work directly with companies. Okay. The reason why I want to work directly with companies is that I've seen that there's a lot of broken children out there. Mm. And sometimes parents don't have the the financial resource so true. to to help with their kids. Mm. And I think now it's gonna be more of a concern. So my idea is to speak to companies and say, listen, instead of offering gym memberships or discount loyalty cards. Would you consider tuition uh, as part of your benefits package or salary exchange for employees that have children at school? That's really innovative. Well, I think that, um, you know, nowadays companies want to align their value systems mm -hmm. with the employees. They yeah. want to not only attract, but they want to retain staff. Yeah, of course. And I think that it's when you do the important stuff, mm. you know, that you send out important messages. And I think that it's, it's something that will benefit everyone. And companies will have a budget that can cover 
a year's tuition for a child, mm. or maybe they don't have the budget, but they can, you know, cover half and the parent can cover the other mm. half. So there's various ways of, of, of going about this. But that's kind of like my main focus at the moment is introducing tuition as part of the uh, um, employee benefits package or salary exchange. Well, as a parent, I know that, you know, I would certainly have valued something like that, you know. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes it's... Um, it's not only the money that matters, it's it's the gesture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like what you're saying. Um, you know, people should be more thoughtful about each other. Mm. And it all talks to Ubuntu. To <laughs> me, this is Ubuntu. You know, mm. uh, a company needs to be profitable. Mm. Uh, it needs their staff to be engaged. Mm. It needs their mental health to be strong. True. And as a parent, I think if you if you have that support... Because it's our children that, I mean, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes thinking, what am I going to do about my son? <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and there's, you know, lots of parents that that are concerned about their kids mm. and, um, because it's our future, really. It is, it is. And we do what we do for them. And mm. We always strive for them to have a better path than what we've had, you know, even if our path has been good. Yeah. Um, so that's really my main focus, but I'm, I'm looking to work with um, school academies as well. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a huge potential there, and that's really quite a, a, a disputed market. Um, and then I want to work with companies that have foreign stock that don't speak fluent English. Wow. So... Um, if there's a company that, for example, has staff um, from Poland, from Romania, yeah. from Bulgaria, and, you know, they don't understand English or they speak very little, you know, the idea is to offer English, um, you know, to to the staff. And maybe it's just the basic yeah. English, you know, and, and basic work environment English. But also, you know, outside our borders, um, companies that work that, you know, operate in, in English-speaking markets, you know, to offer business English to the, to, to, to that staff. Um, so, like, that's kind of the growing kind of business long-term. Yeah. Um, but the immediate focus is definitely on, on the businesses. But I'm thinking of other streams, mm. like um, um, helping with families relocating to the UK. So Gosh. we went through the same process. Mm-hmm. Our son battled. I think only after three years is he kind of settling in. Oh wow! Because of just the just the move or everything it's, it's culture. The move, it's the culture. You know, although we speak the same English mm. and there's a lot of common value, um, um, it's a different world. Right. You know, South Africa, the UK, are planets apart, <laughs> and it's it's got to do with maturity levels as mm. well. Mm. So, um, in in terms of the really what we want to do, and it was through that move that that I had that I, I kind of uh, identified, I bring a little bit of hospitality into my into my. I put uh, hotelier lenses, <laughs> and um, I could see that kids weren't battling just because of lack of knowledge in subject. In something more. So our onboarding process and the way we tutor 
is a little bit different. Is how so? Well, you coming from education, yeah. you understand it. So I believe that academic mentoring is just as important as core uh, tutoring. Yeah, definitely. So like a business needs a business coach. Yeah. A student needs academic mentoring. So what we do in terms of how we onboard our students, and it's um, it's a bit of a lengthy, well, not lengthy, it's, it's quick, but it's a, it, it's 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 not an easy uh, onboarding mm. because we we're very strict on the steps that we want to take. So the first conversation will be either with me or, or with one of our tutors, and that's just a, a, a consultation process where we find out the general information, you know, school name, subjects, what is the school saying, what is a child's objective, what is a parent's yeah. objective. But more importantly as well, to understand if the child is looking at tuition as, as punishment or as support. Now, that's a really unique way of uh, looking at things because, you know, with a lot of tutoring agents, it's all about the academic side of it. But the fact that you're actually thinking of the child, which is the most important thing, and considering how they feel can make all the difference. So you're actually including them into the process. Well, they are the focal point. Yeah. So I told you just now that I was hard. So I bring a little bit of this tough love into it. <laughs> so it's important for me to, to, to also confirm that both parent and child understand that tutors aren't magicians and that there's no magic ones that there's there's hard work involved you know yeah um a lot of people don't understand what tuition is well they don't understand the difference between a teacher and a tutor um so a teacher follows a curriculum certain time frame and they have to go and if you if you're a child in a classroom and you you're afraid to put up your hand, you become invisible. Mm. Where when you have a tutor, the tutor comes in and says, right, what are you battling with? That's what we're going to tackle. Mm. So it's important that the student manages the tutor, not the other way around. Of course. You know, the tutor doesn't come in, oh, we're going to follow this curriculum. That's not how I see tuition. But it is uh, very different to way other people see tuition, whether it's the tutors themselves or parents or the pupils. But I think the way you're approaching it is fresh and I think you're obviously going to get more of a result from that because you're including everybody is inclusive in the process Absolutely. and it's educating with all stakeholders yeah um also you know I I, I see myself I see tuition as, as two types of tuition you've got the tuition where the child has got gaps um, and we need to identify those gaps and, and close them um I, I always compare myself to trainer wheels on a bicycle <laughs> You know, and, and my objective is for you to ride your bicycle without the training wheels as quickly as possible. Love that. Because that's that the other tuition is, mm. okay, now you know how to ride a bicycle. How fast do you want to ride? <laughs> what kind of bicycle do you want to ride? Bobbin does not see me on a bike, Miguel. Yeah. So <laughs> then, it's, then now we, we're stretching the student. Mm. So now the first phase is we've closed the gaps, the, 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 the gaps, the confidence has been built. There's, there's, there's a different student in play. They start to understand the subject that, that, that they're working on. Now we can expand. So, um, and this is something that's always constant in my mind. And that's why the, the end process of this is, is the feedback circle that mm. we always have.
So once we do the consultation, and I'm okay that we're going ahead, um, we do a focus assessment. And that's an assessment the child does on a desktop or laptop. And that's to understand their brain, mm. how their brain functions a little bit, um, to understand if there's, um, if, if there's pointers to anything that's on the spectrum that the child doesn't know. Mm -hmm. You can do follow-ups of that. But ultimately, it's to understand how does this child learn? What are their... Um, uh, um, how long do they pay attention for? Um, what does the tutor need to look for in terms of working with this child? Then we have a 30-minute session. So it's really thorough. Yes. We have a and I'll tell you why. We'll have a 30-minute session with an academic tutor, uh, a mentor. So, so that assessment, you know, gives us, you know, how this, this child learns and what the tutor needs to look for. Um, and then we bring in... Uh, a, an, an academic mentor and, and the mentor does a 30-minute session um, with a child to understand um, where the child is in terms of the emotional status. So it's like taking a photo, a snapshot or a, a photograph of, of, of that child. Um, just to understand, you know, what are the mental blocks? What are the issues? Do they hate the subject? Why do they hate the subject? You know, just understanding that. So with the three reports, a consultation, the focus uh, assessment, and the mentor uh, report, we hand that over to the tutor. So now the tutor knows what exam board they're going to follow. And mm. That doesn't change. Mm. But they understand this child now. So they understand how they're going to work with this child. Mm. The most important thing that happens in any relationship that needs to be established immediately is trust. True. And with this information that the tutor has, mm -hmm. it allows them to uh, establish this trust relationship very quickly with the child. Mm -hmm. So once that is done, the tutor starts working with the child. After each session, there's a report, a summary, a short summary that goes to the parent or stakeholder. Uh, it could be the company if, they, if they're working. Um, and it, it's just a quick summary of how is the session, how did the session go? What does a child prepare themselves for the next session, etc., mm. etc.? Et After every two months, I ask the tutor to compile a more in-depth report, okay. so that we analyse what is the progress of the two months, are the adjustments that need to be done, um, uh, and identify those, and that gets given over to the parent and to the stakeholder as well. I think that's incredible. You know, I have a background in education, and what you've just told me is really amazing considering you haven't originally come from an educational background and you've come from a, a totally different career but your your mindset and the way you've looked at things in depth you know it i think it's certainly something that i think they should really include in the education system here which wow. is uh which is a, a another debate or or conversation in itself, but I'm really, really impressed with what you've said so far. And, you know, I'd certainly trust you to tutor my children anyway. I think it's amazing. Looking at what you've said so far, do you have, and, you know, looking at your journey, what is one sort of piece of advice could you give to somebody who may have been in the same position as you or starting a new business you know have you got one piece of advice that you would give them i do actually 
and it's and it's it's become my biggest challenge. You know, um, coming from corporate, I had structure, <laughs> and and when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're on your own, you're like me to manage. Yes, you know? <laughs> I'm going to turn to that. And it's really really difficult, you know, to to juggle all the balls, to keep the right mindset, to keep focused. To handle with the other things of your life, your family life, your you know life balance, and that, um, I'm working on. I call it my default diary, <laughs> and I have a love hate relationship with my default diary. And my default diary is really um, to keep me focused in terms of what I need to do. Okay. Uh, in the default diary, there's a fathometer. What's uh, that? A fathometer. I, I I I log the minutes that I faff. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and chase rabbit holes. Um, so that's kind of my my biggest advice is manage your time. Um, there's a couple of books that you could read mm-hmm. that help. There's one called Eat, Eat That Frog. Ah, oh, great book. Um, which is very good. I, I read a lot of Mike McCallowitz. Um He's a, an American entrepreneur. His his wise to eradicate um, entrepreneur p- poverty. Love it. Which is good. So he, he's written books like The Pumpkin Plan, Profit First. Um, it's very good. So read um, business books that will probably cover a lot of things that you already know, but and but it re- it refreshes your mm. mind and gives you different different perspective. And don't give up. Wake up and uh, move your toes. It's a sign that you're alive, you know. I love your positivity. And rock and roll. Definitely. Well, Miguel, I've got to say thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Um, You've had an incredible life. And best of luck with Big Cause. I know it will be amazing. It already is amazing. But um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was wonderful.